0: Anyway, back to the podcast. So I have the d- delight and actually the, the joy and the challenge of speaking to you about the prophetic today, the gift of prophecy. And to my goal today is not just to talk about what prophecy is, but to demonstrate and perhaps communicate why it's important to us. Why is prophecy important in the church today? So I'm going to uh, try to do both of those in the next, oh, I don't know. Twenty minutes or 30 minutes if we could do it. So the goal is to so buck your seatbelts because I really don't want to do necessarily just a, a seminar on the prophetic. I really want us to experience the touch of Jesus. So what is prophesy? Why is it important? Let me, let me start by saying that God himself is a God who speaks. If I can give you what I think is kind of the simplistic bottom line of what prophecy is, it's the Heavenly Father speaking to his children. Words of affirmation, words of love, words of direction, but it's God speaking to his kids. And we try to make it more complicated than that, but frankly, it doesn't need to be more complicated than that. It's interesting that God, from the very beginning, demonstrated the power in the spoken word. Prophecy, God speaking. Think about Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And God spoke and said, let there be. It's interesting that every single day of creation, in that creation narrative, we see God speaking. And with his spoken word, something happens. And we know how this works. Bible tells us in, in Proverbs 19 that life and death are in the power of our tongue. And that we, men may, and women, made in the image of God, have this incredible ability to speak on behalf of God to each other. And it creates circumstances in the same way that God spoke and created and brought order out of chaos, Genesis 1-1. We, in some small way, small way, like God, can speak on his behalf to bring encouragement, to bring hope, to bring joy, to bring life. And that, frankly, is the a, is a purpose of the prophetic in the church and in the world, speaking on behalf of God. And God would use us. You think about it. God chooses to use people like you and people like me. Why would he do that? I mean, God could simply take over the mic here and actually speak over us. and Wouldn't that be great? We would all love that. But he chooses to use us as his children. As I was preparing for this, I had a, a picture of my grandson, Jordan, was maybe three years old. He's 23 now. And one day when uh, I was at home, I was doing a little maintenance on the house, everybody's favorite you know, honey, honeydew project. There was a little leak under the kitchen sink, and so it needed a little bit of a tightening. So I gathered all my tools, cleaned out under the sink, by the way, that's never my favorite job because you're under there and it's dripping on your face. You get the picture? Yeah, not great job. I have all my tools assembled and up comes Jordan. Papa, what are you doing? I'm fixing the sink. He says, I'm going to help you too. So I'm under the sink, lying underneath this thing. My tools are all right here, wrenches, things right uh, by my side where I can reach them. All of a sudden, I feel this little guy plopping on my chest his forehead under my chin, he's got a wrench in his hand, he's banging on these pipes. (laughs) Got the picture? I'm protecting my face from a flying wrench, you know. So I have managed to tighten the gasket this loose. We climb up from under there, and Jordan runs up to my wife and says, Nana, I helped Papa fix the sink. And I'm thinking, yeah, we'll go with that, okay. (laughs) It's not like our Heavenly Father, though. He invites us into his work. Frankly, when we talk about the care of people, including the gift of prophecy, it's God's work. It's not ours. It's God's work. It's not ours. And when we step into this place of co-laboring with God, we have this beautiful opportunity to join him in his work in caring for his people. Caring for people. And it can be the people that are in this room, or it could be the person you're going to see after this time at the coffee shop. You see, prophecy doesn't stay only within the content or the confines of a local church building or an assembly. Matter of fact, it works just equally well outside. You don't have to say to people, God told me this. But we can be people that bring words of encouragement everywhere that we go. I'm going to use uh, Timothy, the son of the Apostle Paul, spiritual son, as a bit of a backdrop for a few of my comments here today for all of you and for me paul was writing to his son timothy in the faith Uh, he was giving timothy instruction and guidance timothy had been planted in the church in ephesus to take over this church and it looks as if timothy needed a shot in the arm of confidence and courage to lead this church in this current ministry assignment now let me give you a backdrop timothy was the son of a jewish mother and a gentile or greek father so within that world within the church world in the early church setting. He was kind of a, a man without a country because for the jewish people he was considered somewhat illegitimate and his jewishness would be questioned but on the flip side for the gentile people he had jewish backgrounds so where did he fit where, where did he place where did he place the weight which foot did he land on and perhaps we don't know for sure but the context as we read through the storyline here is that timothy might have had the tendency to view himself through the lens of other people's words and opinions. Can I add, like us? And into that void, Paul speaks. God's words are most important because Timothy might have disqualified himself from service because of the, the nagging thoughts that go through our minds, his mind, your mind, my mind. And yet Paul speaks, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. This charge I entrust to you Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. And then it goes on and says, So some have rejected these and have shipwrecked their faith. So what's the big idea here? For going to do church God's way, we need both sound doctrine and the current work in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We need both. We need good teaching, solid doctrine, but we also need to be open to the work and the power of the Holy Spirit that changes us, that shapes us, that leads us into this place of, of fullness. And when we talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, what we must remember is that the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are like those tools, those wrenches beside my, as I'm trying to fix, God wants to come and he wants to bring healing, hope, and correction to all of our lives. We live in a world that's, well, we live in a world that's broken. And we contribute to that brokenness and god wants to come and bring hope and healing to us and it's interesting that when i think about the gifts of the holy spirit and how they function within the church i like to think of the gifts of the holy spirit as god's loving touch to his church it's like god wants to put his fingerprints on our lives he wants to come and bring hope and healing and repair to those areas where we need encouragement, where we need courage, where we need hope, where we need healing. God wants to come with the specialty tools that he has, those words of knowledge, those prophetic words to bring hope and healing to every one of our lives. It's interesting that in this storyline here, First Timothy chapter 1, he says, I charge you, Timothy, in accordance with the prophecies made about you. It's interesting that God's words take greater precedent than anything that's been spoken over you and over me. Think about that for a minute. When I think about my life, I think about the words that have been spoken over Steve. I, you know, I, I had to, totally going to mess up my notes here because I just feel like I'm supposed to just kind of wing it a little bit today. Is that okay? Like I'm a very orderly person, but I feel like the Holy Spirit wants me to model some things. So we're going to do a couple different things today to really try to demonstrate what I think the Holy Spirit wants us to understand in a very short period of time it seems to me that we need to step into this place of understanding and embracing the work of God's Spirit in our lives. That we need to understand, like Timothy, we need prophetic promises over our life. We need the voice of God to speak over us. We do. Because when he speaks, things change. And I've recognized in my life, there were people that spoke over me. And they spoke over me things that were not helpful. They were not They were not. Well, oh, they were damaging, quite honestly. I remember uh, a season in my life as a young man, there were multiple seasons where people said to me as a young man in ministry, you, you don't really have what it takes to be a pastor. You're too kind. You're too gentle. You probably won't make it. You won't be able to sustain this life in pastoral ministry. Well, let's just say that there was a season where I, I was tempted to believe that. But uh, I would say, I'm about to turn 66. I think I've proven that wrong. Not because I'm so resilient, but because God's word was a louder yes in my life. That in the same way that, that Paul spoke prophetically over Timothy, and he says that you can wage a good warfare with these words. I chose and you can choose, as Timothy did, to believe what God says as being more important than what anyone or the world or what you even say about yourself. Because sometimes the worst narrative is the one that goes on in our own minds. And God wants to have the last word. That's the power of a prophetic word over our lives that simply says, you can do this. And then Timothy receives another word from the Apostle Paul in chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. He says to him, do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by the prophecy (laughs) When the council of elders laid their hands on you, practice these things. Immerse yourselves in those things. You get that? Not only do you, do you take it, do you receive it, but you practice. You immerse yourself so that everyone can see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on your teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will say both yourself and your hearers. That, that, that's a mouthful. Let's just start by, with this concept that God is simply saying you need to embrace the call of God on your life, the gift of God, the prophetic word that called that out, that spoke over you, you have a purpose, your life has meaning, and lean into that, not to neglect it, not to in any way uh, ignore it, but rather to pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching persisting in these things because your life will have uh, an impact on those who follow you, who hear you. This passage makes a great case for everything around the purpose and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and the need for the prophetic word, and the need for faith to live into those things. So Lord, right now, I'm simply asking that you would come, would you guide us? I'm thankful, Father, that you're a God who has not lost his voice, but you're here with us, and you absolutely love your kids. And Lord, I pray that today that you would do what you love to do. matter of fact, your word tells us, That you're always speaking matter and you tell us that all of creation speaks even if we never heard you speak or never heard a sermon never heard a word of encouragement from anywhere we could turn to creation and creation creation itself is a billboard of your love and affirmation thank you for that that you so set things up in this natural world that how could we possibly miss your love how could we possibly miss your affirmation how could we possibly miss the work of your spirit Thank you, Lord. Sound doctrine must also include good theology on the work and person of the Holy Spirit. The concept of the Trinity is basic to the tenets of our faith, and God's Holy Spirit, that third member of the Trinity, Scripture says, came to do several things. He came to empower us for service, came to bring glory to Jesus, secondly. And thirdly, he came to build his church through the tools that he provides, including the gift of prophecy. Prophecy is God speaking his love and his, impl- and his affirmation over every one of us. Let me see if I can describe it this way. Uh, I'm very grateful for the written word of God. and prophetic word, those words spoken spontaneously will not ever uh, in any way uh, be uh, opposite or different from what God speaks in his written word. Let me give you an illustration of why we need both, though. Uh, Our daughter, her birthday was March the 3rd. We wrote a beautiful birthday card, put it in the mail to her. She's up in Canada. We're here. And those words were true. They were accurate. Those were our words, our heart, our love, spilling out on paper with with ink and pen. But it was good, and she loved it. It would have been so much better, though, if I could have been there in person and said those same words with my arms wrapped around her, you know? And I think that when we understand the power of the prophetic, it's that place where the Holy Spirit allows God's love to wrap his arms around us, to bring care and nurture over us. And that's what I want for every one of us, to live in the overflow of a prophetic word of blessing over our lives. I can remember words spoken over me, just some very destiny words that I received some years ago, when I was just a kid even. And those words keep coming back to me and reminding me of the call of God on my life. When I get discouraged, I go back to that word. I wage warfare with what God said. There was a prophetic word that I would go to the nations, and I would speak to many cultures. I would stand before kings and leaders. And I remember thinking, that's a bizarre word. Yeah. Anyone else agree with that? If you knew the shy guy that I was sitting in the back of the class, uh, you know, academically I I was gifted, but I I was shy. I was was painfully shy. And the thought of me standing in front of anyone, much less a king or a leader, that was terrifying for me. By the way, princes and princesses, it's great to be with you today. (laughs) But I have stood before leaders. I've stood before, I've been in the office of prime ministers. In the offices of king paramount chiefs and nations in the south pacific it's interesting how god keeps his word but i decided to do battle with the word i began to pray uh, psalm 2 over my life lord uh, you'll give me the nations for your uh, as my inheritance in the uttermost parts of the sea for my possession i began to pray for the nations i have a map of the world on the wall i began to pray over the map lord and i, I remember taking a globe and spinning the globe and say lord where do you want me to go i mean crazy things you do when you're a kid But I began to believe God's word more than my own feelings and my own emotion. And that's how we wage war with the prophetic word over our lives. And that's why we need it. Because God did not make any of us to be extra or auxiliary. Every life has a purpose. Every life has meaning. Every life has a cause. And God wants to empower that for his purposes. Timothy was like that. He was a a young man living with a prophetic promise on his life. We're not sure what Paul's prophetic word was. The scripture doesn't tell us exactly. But from the context, we can pick up that probably it confirmed his call to ministry service. It probably affirmed his fitness for service. And it probably acknowledged his placement for service. He was planted in Ephesus and God put him there. So basically the prophetic word likely said you belong you have what it takes and you can do this i believe in you and i've had those same kinds of things in my life too and perhaps you have as well the holy spirit of god comes with incredible purpose and he wants access to his church he wants access to us as his people now let me jump into some really quick things here um, that what is prophecy what does it look like and, and and what should we do what should we not do well there are three what I call three levels of prophetic ministry one is the is prophecy those are words of affirmation that can be shared in any context or any setting and those are are words of affirmation they should be biblically based they should be helpful Scripture tells us that anyone can do this Acts chapter 2 quoting Joel chapter 2 in the Old Testament says that your sons and your daughters will prophesy the context is anyone can do this and within the church God, Frankly, he wants all of us to step into this place of being his mouthpieces of love and affirmation for each other. So that's, that's a cookie jar on the bottom shelf. Anyone can do this. And then the next aspect of the prophetic is what I call the prophetic gift. This is a higher level of proficiency. It's a grace gift that's given to some people. And very often this comes, you'll see these people operating with regularity and with accuracy. And you think, wow, they have a prophetic gift on you. You'll often hear that spoken. Well, they simply have sharpened their senses by reason of use. Let me put it, that's what the Bible says. Let me rephrase that in Steve's language. You get better at what you practice. (laughs) But I think there's a download. There's a prophetic gift that's given. If people are eager and willing to step into this, Lord, use me. We don't have because we don't. Ah. Oh, you know the the end of that, that scripture. That's good. So the invitation is simply to ask. And then the third level of prophetic ministry is that prophetic office that we see described in Ephesians chapter 4. And this is people that are recognized uh, with a prophetic gift and a prophetic voice, often to a church or to a network of churches. And this is, and this is fewer people. Uh, and this is affirmed by the laying on hands of leaders. But the Bible tells us that prophecy generally within the church should have three functions. One or all three at the same time. Edification, which means to build up, to encourage. Exhortation, which means to stir up. You can do this. I believe in you. Or comfort. Edification, exhortation, or comfort. But why is the prophetic promise so important over our lives? Well, because we all need to have that sense of our value clearly communicated to us, a value not tied to performance, Uh, A value that resets our view of ourselves because so often within this culture, this is not a culture of honor in North America. So we speak much less and feel much less about ourselves than what we should. So God, I think, wants to recapture our sense of value at this season in the culture by speaking his words of blessing and favor over us and over each other. The church should look different. And so that's the primary thing I want to lean into today. Though I could go about 30 different directions, I feel like we must see that there is an antidote to the culture. There's a there's a there's a vit- vitamin P deficiency. You get that? Yeah. Vitamin prophecy. <laughs> I never thought of that before. Yeah, that was inspired. We'll scrub that off the tape. I'm not sure which. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But we need to have God's word spoken over our lives. The, the guidance that came from Jordan and from Becca up here is in the worship was that God wanted to come and, and affirm us and speak to, to us in our confusion and in these seasons of difficulty. That was the voice of the Father saying, I love my kids. I want you to know that I'm here for you. That was the prophetic guidance that came from these guys. Bless you for doing that. And sometimes we don't acknowledge it, but if you're like me, I sat back there, stood back there thinking, God, I need that word. Thank you, Father, for speaking to me today. So the prophetic promise over our lives communicates our true value and resets our view of ourselves. It often outlines God's purpose or God's plan. And in this moment, the plan was, I want to speak to you, sons and daughters, that this storm going, I'm with you in the storm. I love that. God spoke clearly to me through that. And then lastly, a prophetic promise instills this faith to continue to not quit, to keep going, to go on. But what about the, what about the, uh, the misuse or the abuse of prophecy? You know, it's interesting that the, that the misuse or the excess of anything is misuse. It was great when our grandkids were small. And, you know, the first birthday and that birthday cake. Remember those days, those of you that have, or those of you that have young children. You put the cake in front of them or the cupcake in front of them, and, and they're learning to feed themselves. I'm not sure how much the frosting goes in their mouth and how much of it paints their face. The cute thing is when they try to feed it to you as well. I'm not sure if you want that or not from those sticky hands. And in some ways, it's adorable. And if you're like us, we have pictures of those moments. And it was appropriate for a one-year-old who's learning to feed himself for it to be a bit messy. But for a 21-year-old, for it to be a bit messy, thats yeah, just probably not appropriate. Would you agree with me? But when we talk about the abuse or the misuse of, of, of prophecy. We have to understand that it's God's intention that we grow. I have a ton of grace for someone who's stepping out in faith and trying this for the first time. I, man, I have a ton of grace. I'm perfectly okay with it being a little bit messy. But I also am, am perfectly confident that God doesn't want it to remain such. That he's inviting us into learning how to be more proficient to find the right time to say it with the right way, the right words, because misuse does not negate proper use. And I really do believe the good outweighs the bad. And that's the thing, because there, there is a line of thinking because there is misuse and we've seen abuse in the prophetic, therefore we're just gonna shy away from that. If that was the case, most of us, uh, if that was the plan and the way we approached life most of us would not have lived past our first birthday because we would never have learned to feed ourselves or to get dressed properly. I love it when the kids are small and they want to dress themselves. Uh, it, it is an interesting kind of uh, it's an interesting look, shall we say. So we understand in in our natural world that we must learn and grow and discover how to do these things more effectively, more appropriately. And just because there is misuse does not mean a non-use or lack of use. But there is some aspects of wisdom and caution. Are you aware of the fact I'm flying very quickly through this? So these could all be seminars in and of their own, right? But my point is we need it. We must step into this. But there is some wisdom and caution for those of us stepping out into speaking the heart of god for the first time and that is this that there are four areas where i have seen the greatest level of misuse or abuse so i'm going to suggest as we get started if you're new to this avoid these as it's is these four things direction correction dates or mates got that i love i love kind of poetic things direction correction and i've seen this where God says to you, uh, Tom Shaw, the voice of God is that you're going to go serve Jesus in the Antarctic for the next 30 years. (laughs) Tom would go crazy with that. No people there to talk to, right? No direction, no correction. Hey, the Lord spoke to me. There's sin in your life. I've seen these abuses, and they've been detrimental. No direction, no correction, no dates. By this time next year, no mates. And by the way, when I talk about mates, I've seen this. These are not just all these things I'm referring to I've experienced in my pastoral ministry with people who have come to me. People have come in and said, you know, uh, there was a prophetic guy or somebody gave me a word of prophecy on a Sunday morning that I was supposed to marry this person. I didn't even like them. But because the prophet said to do it, I did it anyway. I married them. It's been 20 years my life has been living. You know, I'm going, what? Wait, stop. No direction, no correction, no dates, no mates. That makes it in that way we can avoid in the early stages of our growth some of the messes that could come with the misuse of the prophetic gift it's interesting that the apostle paul writing to the church in corinth who by the way gets the gold star for the misuse of prophecy uh, you read through it it's hysterically funny he said pause don't talk over top of each other you know, let one person give a word, let the others pause and reflect on it and judge it make sure it's right. Then somebody else, and obviously it was, it was like dueling banjos or du- dueling prophets or something. And Paul said, stop it. But he, he says, I want to bring correction and proper use to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But then at the same time to the same church in chapter 14, he says, but eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you might prophesy. He was, he was dealing with the misuse and the abuse. But he was simply saying, man, eagerly. I mean, eagerly is a strong word. Desire. We live in a culture deficient of words of affirmation and words of approval. And we must understand that God wants us to to, spe- to speak into this, that we would be part of the solution, not part of the problem. That we could be a counteractive effect to a culture of dishonor. Numbers chapter 6. One of my favorite passages of scripture let me set the backdrop here i'm going to lean into this a little bit the backdrop is is that we have a a nation israel who has just come out of slavery for 430 years in egypt and they've made this exodus they're in the wilderness and god is though they have been set free from slavery their minds are still stuck in this place of feeling like they were slaves or that they are, their value is only based on their performance. Your value is only based on your worth. Let me pause here. I've just defined all of North America. Because almost automatically, when we meet someone we haven't met before, we say, hi, how are you? What do you do? And we, we slot people in to their, and we assess their value automatically based on their performance, their activity, their life goals, their job. Particularly men do this, by the way. And this is overly stating this. I understand this. But we still have, perhaps in North America, the mindset of slaves. And what we see here is God, or maybe an orphan mindset, and what God did to this nation of Israel right out of the get-go, he speaks to, to Aaron and Aaron's sons, as soon as they've been appointed as priests at the very beginning days of this nation trying to jail to become a, a, the people of god and the lord said to moses number six verses 23 through 27 the lord said to moses tell aaron and his sons this is how they are to bless the israelites say to them the lord bless you and keep you the lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you the lord turn his face towards you and give you peace and listen So they shall put my name on the Israelites, and I will bless them. It was to a cynical watching world that that the priests were communicating that Israel is mine. These are my kids. They're not slaves they sons and daughters of the Most High God. In the same way, God speaks over our lives. We're no longer slaves. We're no longer orphans. We're his sons and daughters. He speaks over us identity and value and purpose. And he speaks to us these words that are filled with grace and lead us into a deeper relationship with him. That's the point of a prophetic word. And this blessing, this prayer, is a prophetic blessing. It's speaking to slaves. You're no longer a slave. The Lord sees you. The Lord cares for you. The Lord... Loves you, the Lord's face shines upon you. That concept of face shining gives us this uh, image, this illustration of your face lights up when I see you. My face lights up when I see you. Oh, it's my daughter, it's my son. This communicated such incredible value. It's like God saying, That's my boy, that's my girl. I'm so excited. The four components of the blessing that we see here and that we see as a basis of, of good prophetic words, one or all these could be in a prophetic word. It's identity, high value, bright future. Identity com- communicates this concept that this is who you are. God sees you. He values you. High value, this is how much you mean to me. This is how much you mean to God. And by the way, use this on your kids. Those of you that are parents, speak this over your kids. Like, ah, I see you. I love you. Wow, that was so good. And not only bless them on on the... On their performance but bless them based on their value the relationship you're my son you're my daughter i just love you so much and then thirdly bright future identity high value thirdly bright future and this is where we communicate god's plans and purposes for someone's life we talk about that good future and the things that we can envision for them and this is what prophecy does in someone's life it speaks to their value It speaks to their purpose so if you've never gotten a word ask god for one talk to a leader Put yourself in positions where you can receive a prophetic word by responding to ministry opportunities and simply say, pray for me. Just do it. I mean, play our, put ourselves... Your kids do this, don't they? When a kid needs a hug from mom and dad, guess what? They, don't, they don't say, is this a good time? <laughs> mom is still asleep. I probably, you know... Maybe, you know, dad's busy watching the news right now. <laughs> what do they do? Mom, dad... I got an howie, you know, They come running into the presence of their parents. And the invitation of God is to come running into his presence. Father, what do you think about me? How do you feel about me? I would suggest for some of you in the room, uh, having a, a journal where you can ask God this question and, and wait for his response uh, every day. Father, how do you feel about me? Or maybe another uh, alternative of that question could be, Father, how much do you love me? And then journal the response. Do it. I, I dare you to do it. <laughs> do it for a month. It'll begin to erode the, the narratives in your mind, those false narratives about your your worth or your purpose. And here's the thing. You say, "How?" I'm going to... And just journal the things and the thoughts that come to your mind. Pray before you do. Father, I'm asking you to show me how much you love me. And here's the thing. You're going to have... The, those thoughts could come from one of three sources. Let me give you the three sources. The first source could be... Could be the devil. But I guarantee you, he that comes to steal, kill, and destroy will not speak kindly about you. He won't. Secondarily, the source could be ourselves. And I'm pretty sure that none of us, even the most confident among us, view ourselves uh, inside our own thoughts. No matter what we project out here, what we think in here is usually pretty dark. Probably not you. so if the thought that comes to your mind when you ask the question father how do you feel about me seems to be overly like lavish in love and affirmation and it feels like it's too good to be true it probably is god probably journal it journal it live into it live into it so we can fight the good fight of faith that we can take these words from God and actually begin to and say, this is who God has made, this is who I am, I believe it. So you lean into that. And how do we quickly hear, how do we respond to a prophetic word? Well, you judge it, you know, if someone gives you a word, does, does it agree with the word of God? Does it bring you a sense of peace? It may, it may challenge you, but if you feel like it's from God, then secondarily, then you embrace it. You say, okay, I receive it. It's a stretch for me. To believe I'm going to go to the nations one day. But we're in about 30 plus nations now, I'm counting. God's kept his word. But you embrace it with belief and faith. Thirdly, you pray into it. You wage warfare with it, Lord. I I choose to believe you more than the thoughts in my own mind. I take your word and I tear down those automatic thoughts, this cycle in in my heart, in my mind. Especially when I'm discouraged, when I'm stressed, when I feel challenged. And then, lastly, I live into the prophetic word. I say yes to opportunities that align with God's word about who you are. What do I mean by that? God will give you opportunities to grow in these things. If God is the one who says there's a call in your life too, or I want you to do, then an oppor- or You say, "Lord, I want to learn and to grow in faith to pray for people," and then someone comes up and says, oh, "It's been a terrible day. I just don't know how to." And you go, "Ah, it's an opportunity." Take it. Have you ever been in that place where I don't know what to do? Oh, why did I ask the question? <laughs> Lean into that moment. Lean into the opportunity to, to, put, to put God to the test. I mean, you're not putting God to the test. He, he wants to speak through you. He wants you to pick up the wrench like my grandson does and bang around on the pipes. He's okay with that. It doesn't have to be Perfect. He, oh, he wants, frankly, what he wants more than your performance, he wants your heart. He wants you because you're his son. And he wants to be able to celebrate and say, that's my boy, that's my girl right there. Say yes to the opportunities that come your way. And I'll just give you one final thing here uh, about this concept of living into the prophetic word is that God will always call you into opportunities greater than your ability, greater than your current ability. So that when God helps you god gets the glory and you get to tell the story god will always call you into things bigger than you can do in your own strength i love that about god my grandson technically did not fix the plumbing (laughs) but he thought he did I got to tell one more story. How are we doing? Okay, one. My grand, we were out camp. We were out uh, camping together and with our family. My grandson was probably five or six, maybe seven at this time, and we were fishing. And he got he got tired of fishing. You know, he, he tried and he got snagged. And so he gave me the fishing rod. He went off to play, and I was reeling. And I fixed this rod. I cast it out, make sure it was working. And I saw I saw a fish trailing the lure. I oh, so I cast back out again, and I hooked the fish. I said, Jordan. Called my grandson. Jordan, come. I got a fix for you. I said, just reel it in now. He's reeling the thing. He says, Papa, I think it's stuck. I I don't know. Just keep reeling slowly. Keep reeling slowly. I go to get the, the net because I know there's a fish on the line. He reels it in, and suddenly it's about four or five feet from shore, and he sees this fish. And he starts to scream and yell, I've got a fish. I've got a fish. And I said, just be be slow, just slow down, just be patient, just be really careful, bring it slowly to the shore. I, I net this thing; it's about a fish about that big, big trout, Canadian trout. Big. He's jumping and yelling. He's I got the big, and this was a big fish. It was the biggest fish caught that day, and he's yelling, and, he, and he, then he starts to dance. And, My fish is the biggest, you know. And and his father, who's quite the outdoorsman, was like, Jordan caught the, what? What a beautiful fish. Years went by before I told him (laughs) that I had hooked the fish. You know, that's okay. We celebrated that moment, and I think that's the way it is with our Heavenly Father and us. He celebrates our attempt. And frankly, it's, it's rarely about us. It's always about him. And he wants us to step into this place of knowing him and loving him and experiencing his love and his grace in new ways and giving that love and grace to other people. And for this reason, the apostle Paul said to his son, Timothy, chapter 1, verse 6, For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame, fan into flame, the gift of God which was placed in you by the laying on of my hands. For God gave us his spirit, not a spirit of fear, Not a spirit of fear not a a spirit that steps back and says i can't do this but a power and a love and self-control i'm going to close just by quickly giving you a couple things because i'm going to invite you into doing this we're going to finish with a few minutes that we have left i'm going to pray for a couple people and then i'm going to invite perhaps you into this but but before prophesying uh, ask a couple things do you have the sense you have a picture you have a thought that goes through your mind a word of encouragement Number one, does it agree with the word of God? God will never tell you to do something that doesn't agree with his word. God will never say you should go and steal from the local store and give the money in the tithe to the church. God will never tell you to do something that's against his written word. Secondarily, does the word glorify Jesus? Thirdly, does it strengthen others and encourage them in their walk with God? And fourthly, does it fit the grid of edification, exhortation, and comfort? Build up, stir up, or comfort? Some wisdom keys uh, that I've learned over the years of prophetic ministry, God will never give you the whole message in advance. He'll give you a thought. He'll give you a picture. He'll give you a phrase. Step out and give it anyway. And God will often add to it. That's the faith piece. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So step out and just give it anyway. And then thirdly, don't try to explain what God said. Don't don't do that. Don't try to interpret. I, I think this is what it means. I saw this picture of you flying in a helicopter, and I, I think that God's gonna, um, I don't know, God's gonna turn you into a paratrooper or something. No, don't do that. <laughs> Fourthly, stay under authority, be submitted to local leadership. One of the areas of misuse and abuse in the prophetic is when people become lone rangers. Number five, be willing to have the word reviewed. Number six, never accept or give an anonymous word. If someone slips the note under your door, God told me that, and they don't sign it? No. That's not being under authority. It's not being accountable. So simply just don't receive that. Number seven, this is an interesting one, probably would never happen here, but prophecy will not interrupt the sermon. I've been in places where some will stand up in the middle of a message and give a prophetic word. Why? Because God will not interrupt himself. He's perfectly committed to order and structure. And then lastly, take a step of faith and speak God's words over each other. It may feel risky, but it's worth the risk. It's worth the risk. Um, So, Father, thank you. There's so much more that we could say and probably should say. But, Lord, I'm grateful that you love your kids so much and you know them. And I just want to speak blessing over this congregation. And, Father, would you show your favor to your kids today?